What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 610 of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast Hot Tags of the Week. We're going to be breaking down all the things that are interesting in the world of pro wrestling over the past few days. We feel like talking about whether it's rumors or news or gossip or TV recap stuff or changes to the board of directors for things. We got an engagement to talk about. We got some people returning to the company, possibly. All sorts of different things here. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always are Robert E. Felice. Hey, everyone. And Callum Wiggins. Hello there. So before we get into all this, just a quick reminder, do all the good things that you would normally do for any YouTube channel or any video that you are interested in, which means hit the like button, hit the share button, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, ring the little notification bell, set up your email alerts for when we go live for things like the pay-per-view post shows hit the little thanks button if you want to toss some spare change our way if you want to do even more on that front whether it's a dollar a month subscription or something like the dark cast here or the pick your poison or whatever go to either the patreon or go to the little join button over there for the channel membership on youtube if you want to pick up some merchandise go to t public and Redbubble. and also keep in mind we want to know what you have to say so drop your thoughts in the comments below Tell us what you're thinking about all these different things we're going to be talking about here, including the thing we're going to start off with first, which really there's not too, too much to talk about, but we usually like to toss these out here. We have an engagement to talk about. Buddy Matthews and Rhea Ripley are now engaged, which I think it's been funny, of course. To, uh, you know, first things first, congratulations to the happy couple. But I think it's hilarious that most of the comments that I've seen on anything related to this are people going, uh, Buddy was getting a little nervous about all that Dominic uh, Riz and like, you know, they're getting a little close on TV. He had to secure the bag and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really, again, it's an engagement, so congrats. But um, any other thoughts you guys have? Well, I do think it's funny that... Just as I was beginning to remark to myself, oh, they they finally figured it out where they look like there's actual chemistry there <laughs> between them. And then, uh, of course, Dominic was already engaged to his high school sweetheart. Rhea is now engaged. Congrats to them. Very happy for the Australian power couple that they are. <laughs> Very much and so. I, I wish them nothing but the best. Yeah, and, they, and those, uh, yeah, just congratulations to the pair of them. I presume this won't uh, affect Rhea in the same way that uh, Lana announcing her engagement to Rusev in the middle of a storyline where she's supposed to be with Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> it's going to be an issue. Yeah, I think but, that uh, they're going to, uh, to approach it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Considering they both announced engagement in the middle of the storyline, I think they'll be safe. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a um, yeah, obviously they've done well to because it must be like a little bit i don't say difficult because the AEW schedule is not that um intensive but to even be able to spend a lot of time together because they're both wrestling for two separate promotions as well but uh but yeah congratulations to both of them now unfortunately we have to talk about some injuries to go along with this and that's uh two injuries that are happening right now well, on top of all the other injuries, but hey, you know the recurring theme of the women's division and the tour in ACLs? <laughs> well, we got another one of them with Sonya Deville, and that has called into question the future of the women's tag team championships because, of course, she just won them with Chelsea Green 
about three weeks ago or so. I think it's on like the 25th day or so at this point. Now, they haven't said anything about exactly what they're planning on doing with those belts, but Chelsea did put something out there that I think is a pretty interesting concept. Well, not the most interesting thing in the world, but I think it's a good way of doing it where she was on after the bell and she suggested that she could do kind of like an America's got talent type thing, but it would be uh, to find a new tag team partner. She also tossed out the idea that she would just depend on by themselves by herself. So I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think they're in a position now where they clearly were going to push this as more of a Chelsea thing than a Sonya thing. And it would be better off if they just gave her a new partner rather than if they do the thing that they normally do, which is vacate the titles, throw a bunch of random tag teams together where you just go like, all right, Tegan Knox and I don't know, Natty are a team for one week. We do a four way. We settle on the new champions, which will probably somebody like, you know, Casey and Casey or maybe Candace and Indy. And then you have nothing else to follow it up with. And then you just wait a couple of weeks. And then that's about it. I'm hoping for somebody like a JC Jane to come and do that. We had talked, I forget if it was uh, on the air or if it was outside of it, but the idea of like maybe Emma would be a good replacement. She's not doing anything. And you know, maybe there's a good way to utilize her. How do you guys think they're going to approach this? What would you like to see? Do you think that there should be the titles just vacated? Do you think that they should even just get rid of them entirely, <laughs> which is another whole thing? Um, I'm always in favor of the idea of getting rid of these titles. Sorry. Like, like there's no nice way to put this. These titles have been booked so poorly outside of the first two champions that I just think you really want another title for the women. Just do a mid-card title. Stop trying to force these tag teams. But be that as it may, I think this is a really good way of doing it. She's already gotten some funny responses from her husband, Matt Cardona, and R-Truth. Oh, R-Truth said like, something? Yeah, he, he was the first one to apply. He's like, hey, I heard you do a contest. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm really good at playing the piccolo. I can kill spiders. Not... <laughs> But not the good spiders, because Charlotte Webb, Charlotte's Webb is a good spider. <laughs> so our truth is on its way back. This might be blasphemy. I'd love to see JC Jane, sure. But also, fuck it, just plug in Nia Jax. Oh, but, we'll, like, we'll be talking about her in a few minutes. <laughs> at, the, at this point, like, who does anything really matter? As long as Chelsea still has them and gets to be funny, go for it. Yeah, I think from everything that I've like read about, again, I don't really track ratings as closely, but apparently Chelsea segments do numbers on Raw, so it's probably a good idea that she keeps hold of these titles and just transitions to another partner. Who that partner is, I don't think it really matters. I think this is a vehicle for Chelsea more than anything else, so the partner just needs to be somewhat competent. And if they can get over as well, then that would be great, but I don't think it's as... Uh, it's as pressing a concern as making sure that Chelsea has a reason to be on TV every week. So I think that, look, I, I would go with Emma because I think that she's a safe pair of hands and I think she's demonstrated in the past that given the right gimmick or the right uh, motivation, she can be like a good, funny character as well. 
Um, JC, I just don't think has the same um, competence in ring that Emma has. Like as I, she could. She yeah, she's newer for it. sure. Yeah, you could definitely go with. Um, I mean, they've already pointed to the fact of Cora Jade's not going to be in NXT anymore. It would seem maybe a bit of a clash, but there's maybe something like an odd couple pairing you could do with those two. Um, yeah, I think there's plenty of possibility. There's definitely more than enough women on the roster that are doing absolutely jack shit right now that you could pair up with. I mean, where's Piper Niven been mm-hmm. for all this time? Um, Piper Niven might be better, a safer idea than the Nia Jax idea I was going to go for. Because honestly, she should just pick a brute to, you know, do all the work for her. And and she pins. Well, that could That's, be. The, there's two different directions that they can go here. They They, they go with... Because we didn't really get to see the dynamic too much of what Sonya and Chelsea would have been. And let's be honest, they weren't really caring all that much to begin with anyway. Not only because it is more of a Chelsea thing, but they don't care about the women's tag team. They don't care about the tag team division, let alone what the women's tag team division. But they were just kind of getting started. So we didn't really see that they were pushing the idea. But it could have been that Sonya would have been the tough one. And Chelsea's the... You know, the look at the way that they even dress. Like Chelsea's wearing brighter stuff, Sonya's wearing darker stuff. It's that like sugar and spice type of thing. You could go with somebody like a JC who is more aggressive and d- plays that like more edgy, aggressive type of character. You could go with like an Emma who might be more of the twin, sort of like the two annoying, obnoxious characters, or you could go with like a Piper Niven as the tough one and Chelsea's the weasel that sneaks a pin in at the end and does all the talking and all you got options. The worst case scenario I think is for them to just be like, well, let's go with, uh, Alba fire and Isla Dawn because they're a team and we'll figure it out later. I think that that would point to them being like, well, we just don't care. Do you think, that Alba Fire and Isla Dawn should be back on television, however. They should be at least somewhat in the running to like maybe give Chelsea a partner, but have them need to beat people in like a four way or something. The joke at this point should be they, they curse the belts. <laughs> Look at everything that's happened since. Did they, they also theaters. retroactively curse them from when Vince yes. announced them? <laughs> yes, they did. Since the start of these belts were Vince basically being like, I don't know, here's the fucking belts. Shut up. <laughs> Santa Claus, damn it. Yeah. Well, that's not the only injury that's happening right now, because also on top of that, Brock Lesnar is injured, which may factor into the potential of him popping up at like payback or something. I personally didn't think that he was going to be there anyway. But I had seen a, quite a bit of people that are like, well, he's advertised for payback. Well, you know, that I doesn't mean shit. advertised for fast. Yeah. I think that they just put those people out there and it really doesn't matter. But we also know that Roman Reigns is injured. And that's another situation where I wasn't expecting him to wrestle a payback. I wasn't really expecting him to wrestle any shows going forward except for whatever the Saudi Arabia show is going to be called, because they still haven't confirmed it, but we're assuming it's crown jewel. Maybe at survivor series. I doubt he would be at superstar spectacle, but there's a possibility like just a few more times this year. So 
Seems like it's a hip or a back injury for Roman. I haven't seen any clarification about the Brock Lesnar injury. But if he's not, you know, recently reported uh, that it is not a back injury for Roman. There's no specification on what it is. They did say it's not a back injury. Uh, so it could potentially be like a hip thing. So. Yeah. Hmm. Do you guys think we're going to get either of these anytime soon? Do you think that this is going to change any plans around? Or are you kind of in the same boat that I am where it's like, well, they weren't going to show up anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, Roman does back. I don't know why you keep saying they're not going to show up. Roman does back there tonight. I mean, as far as like wrestling. Yeah, look. I think they're winning. WWE is winning with everyone because the only argument to all of this I've heard is Oh, it doesn't matter. Roman doesn't wrestle anyway. It doesn't make any sense. If he gets injured to the point where, all right, dude, you're on the shelf for a year, that still fucks your mania plans. That still fucks everything. I'm praying to God that this dude stays relatively healthy, at least through mania, but, like, it's getting risky. I don't want to see this this whole thing end with, and he got injured, so... He forfeited the title. Like, I'm very concerned about that. Brock, I'm a little less concerned. I didn't know ripping your pants considered was considered an injury, but Brock, I didn't think was going to wrestle till the Royal Rumble. So I'm a little less concerned about him. I'm very concerned about Roman because Roman is the money maker right now. He's a miss. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think to say that I was um, concerned about either of these injuries would suggest that I cared in the first place. Yeah, your but, reaction uh, when I told you was very was very much that. Um, I thought I think it'd be I think it'd be funny in the in that's kind of like you know the whole Schadenfreude way of uh, looking at things. Um, but yeah, I would be like I I think that it would be a very disappointing and flat way to end what has already become a little bit of a story that's spiraling like around in a circle rather than going in a, sh- a straight direction. So I think that, yeah, so I think that there is a definite concern that if Roman's injury is in any way super serious, then they could derail a lot of plans that they have because they've pretty much put everything into the, the, uh, the bloodline basket. So yeah, that is concerning from a WWE perspective. The Brock one is less of a concern because he doesn't wrestle that often anyway. And I don't, yes, I don't think he'll be back for a few months, regardless of how bad the injury is. And then, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on Roman if he comes in to, on SmackDown and he's wearing a, like, a visible sling or something like that that makes it very obvious what his injury is. Then, then, then we'll know maybe how serious it is, or at least what part of his body is injured. You're going to throw people off. He's going to wear an eye patch, have uh, Mm -hmm. both arms and sling. He's going to have a cast on his leg. (laughs) I think the fact that they're being a bit hush about it is, well, to be fair, they're hush about every injury that happens nowadays. So you can't really read that much into it. But uh, yeah, hopefully he is at least healthy enough to get back to action in whenever they were planning on having him defend the title next, which which you're right, is probably the next Saudi show or Survivor Series or something of that ilk. The Survivor Series, for that matter, they haven't specified anything about that yet. So we could be having a return of War Games. We could have the Raw versus SmackDown stuff. 
And if either of those happen, that doesn't necessarily mean that Roman Reigns is going to be on the card. And we could do Roman versus Seth and champion versus champion, or they could have Roman as like, maybe the bloodline reforms by then. And it's not too far off the beaten path, but you know, I mean, depending on how much they want to do this whole bloodline and fighting thing might not be the case, but we could get to judgment day and a word games match is the headlining thing. We could get a whole, you know, Roman just defends the title. We're going with a, an old traditional survivor series with the belts on the line and a team Raw versus team SmackDown or whatever the hell, you know, they don't need to necessarily do anything a hundred percent the way that they would with like, you got to have a Royal rumble at the Royal rumble. <laughs> and Maybe the plans were really just, well, we got to kill time until mania and they might end up having this injury beat something that they look at. as like, well, now we'll just say, fuck it. Wait until April. It would suck if that's the case, but it wouldn't shock me. You cannot do that. Like they, they also have to know that like you got to play within some reason here. If he's just not saying that that's what this is, because it very much appears to be, not the case, but like if he was to get hurt to the point where, again, if it's a, a a tricep tear or something that like or a torn pack that keeps people out for close to a year, like you can't just go, all right, well we'll just leave you on the shelf there. You, like you can't. Like there has to be some reason within all of this. You don't I, think that WWE you know, would just pull that bullshit where they say like. You know, somebody asks them in a media call afterward. They're like, what are you guys doing with this whole stalling thing? And then somebody like a Triple H or whatever would be like, well, you know, let the story play out. We have ideas. And then they just wait until everybody shuts the fuck up about it. And then well, they act like I'll make the <laughs> argument that, like, there's certain things that they don't even do for Brock. And that's one of them. So I, I do think that there is a line. Hmm. So we may see some information about that tonight. Maybe they clarify about the injury or whatever maybe they end up just sweeping that under the rug but there's a chance that we might not see roman compete for a little while here which brings up another idea of people that we might not see fighting for a little while uh logan paul has a fight scheduled against dylan danis i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly because i never heard of this person in my life and i don't give a shit whatsoever on october 14th which means that more than likely he is not going to have any WWE performances before at least that, because you got to assume that they are going to be treating that as, you know, he's training for that fight and he has the insurance and all these different things that goes along with that, that he wouldn't be doing anything WWE related to put that in jeopardy. So we might not see Logan Paul until after that, which isn't all that surprising to begin with. I mean, the crown jewel or whatever it might be event would certainly be happening after October 14th. Anyway, it's probably going to be closer to Halloween or maybe the week that starts November. That's probably when we would see him next. So for anybody that's wondering like, you know, Hey, is he going to be following up that ricochet match at payback? Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think this one's completely different. He's still, very much in my mind, just a special attraction. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Yeah, I don't really know really know what much to add to it beyond the fact that, like, I don't know why they decided to make it such a screwy finish to the match with Ricochet 
if they weren't going to do a rematch at some point, but that's by the boy. Maybe they were just trying to protect Ricochet somewhat by having him lose in a controversial way without, yeah, they, any, real pl- without any real plans of having a rematch. With Ricochet, they seem to have added him to all of the branding for the Monday Night Raw brand. So maybe they're going to run with him a little bit. And maybe it was just to protect him, you know? When you say adding him to the branding, it's you on like, like, uh, like on Peacock, on the new like USA posters and stuff. It's like Cody, Becky, Judgment Day, and him. Huh. He's currently not on the six person lineup on the shows page on WWE.com. That's uh, well, Kevin and Sammy. Sammy. Yeah, Kevin and Sammy, Becky and Rhea, Seth and Cody, which to me, that that makes sense. They're pretty much the top ones. But good for Ricochet, if that's the case. Oh, by the way, especially when it comes to the injury things, we didn't mention this, but there's really nothing to mention all that much. Um, There's a tiny bit more information about the Bray Wyatt situation, which is basically we can't tell you anything for HIPAA violations, but he was dealing with an, uh, an illness that was, quote unquote, life-threatening as well as career-threatening which there's nothing more about like what that necessarily means (laughs) maybe it was like a heart condition thing maybe it was i mean if you could speculate as much as you want we don't have any fucking information but that seems a little bit more complicated than what it even came across originally because i was just assuming that it was like i maybe had a concussion or yeah, maybe he got COVID. Well, now it might be complications from that. It might be something else completely unrelated. We're probably never fully going to know unless something comes out where he talks about it because he would be the only one that would be able to like legally do that. I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon either. But I, I think we'll see him. I'll go ahead and just out a guess maybe royal rumble i do think he'll be involved in the mania mix unless of course plans change and they just go in a different direction with him entirely but i uh, look i'm glad he's alive considering that they're saying he was battling a life-threatening illness i'm glad he's alive hope one day we can see him in the ring with a streamlined idea I'm going to put this out there, not as a, I hope, but as a, you might come back to this down the line and go, God damn it. Tony called this. If we get Roman Reigns versus the rock at WrestleMania, I think we're going to get Cody Rose versus Bray Wyatt. To be fair. If you go back to uh, like last year's or this year's rumble post show, I said, we'll probably get Wyatt Cody. At WrestleMania, I just thought could he be world world champion. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's going to be for the belt for that matter. I think yeah, it's just no. uh, I think that that's one of their potential ideas that they would toss around for just like a mid card feud. Any thoughts on the wide situation, Kellen? No, I think it's um, I don't even want to speculate considering the seriousness of the the illness that he's apparently dealing with. Like if it's a uh, if it's a more like conventional injury where you know that there's going to be like a recovery. At some point, whereas this, it feels like there's still a lot in the air about mm-hmm. it. Because like these sort of things, it's even if he does recover, obviously, hopefully, it seems like by reports saying that he is recovering, and so yeah, and hopefully, he is getting over it. But 
if it's that serious, you probably never really fully get over it. Or there's always the potential of it to come back, whatever it was. Yeah. It could be any number of different things. So when we eventually find out more information, we'll be able to discuss it a little better and talk about more specifics and stuff. But if you're talking about the about coming back to WWE, let's talk about three names that are buzzing around right now. There has not yet been any definitive, like, okay, well, you're seeing them on TV or anything along those lines, but supposedly Kyrie Sane is coming back to WWE. Nia Jax may be coming back to WWE. And Nick Aldis has been brought in as kind of a trainee of sorts for a producer role rather than actually a part of the active competitive roster. Out of all these, I think one of the interesting topics to talk about is like, if Nia Jax and Kyrie Singh come back at the exact same time, <laughs> that seems funny as all hell to me that that would be the case. All this, I think, is the type of guy that like, I don't know why they wouldn't put him on TV. I can understand him being a producer, but use him in some way. You know, I mean, you can do both. People have been producer slash wrestler for God knows how long. Bring him in for a guest spot once in a while. Haven't been the Royal Rumble or something. I still thought that that was going to be the case this year, but I like the idea of Kyrie coming back. I'm not as big on Nia coming back and I'm interested in the, the Nick Aldis side of it. Um, I'll start with Aldis because while I never will say no to anyone getting their bag and getting the money any way you can, it'd be unfortunate to me if he kind of took the producer route just because I, I think he did a lot to show that he is a world champion level competitor. If he is just going to be a producer, it sounds to me, my opinion, like he's just somebody who they made a decision on long ago that they just weren't going to invest you know, in ever give him a chance, but they'll give him a chance as a producer. Like what well, you've got a good mind for the business. And we know that you're at least somebody that's competent and capable and we respect your, your contributions, but we don't actually want you to be a part of our on-screen product, which is it's baffling when they do that, when they could very easily do that for so many other people that are on the same page. I mean, there were some people that they quickly turned into producers shortly after releasing them, like uh, Chris Axel, you know, immediately came in as like, and now he's one of the guys that breaks up the fights. Isn't that crazy? Like That I can understand more, though, because then you've given them a chance and you are familiar with their work and you can kind of be like, well, we do like them, but they just aren't over enough with the crowd. But who's to say that uh, an Aldis wouldn't? get a good pop or you know why is that all that much different than i don't know like when they brought in bobby Roode, who is now a part of like the producer side it seems yeah who was also uh doing some producing recently mm-hmm. um so is naya and Kyrie. admittedly don't know much about naya you were actually the one who informed me of that she was in the in the rumble I'd be okay with her coming back. She was someone they invested a lot of time in. So there's stock there. And Kyrie, I think, is one of the best in the world. And 
if she's going to come back to WWE, I welcome that. So, Kyrie going back to WWE is is obviously a good move. They've clearly invested a lot more time and effort into the um, the Joshi contingent on WWE TV with Vio Sky as the current uh, WWE Women's Champion, Asuka being one of the most recent ones as well. And I think that her coming back, as long as she's put into a story of substance likely involving those other competitors, I think that that's probably a good thing for her and it would be a good add addition to the roster in terms of strength and depth. Um, Naya, I, I say, I'm, I'm never going to say that this is a good signing. I, I know that she is. She obviously has a history there, and so people know who she is, and so we'll probably get like an initial pop or at least notoriety. But fundamentally, she was a bad wrestler and hurt people when she was actively working week in, week out. I don't think uh, a few years of being... Uh, away from it and getting rusty is going to uh, improve mm. things that much. So, um, so yeah, I can't say that I'm uh, in any way uh, positive or going to be um, optimistic about that uh, move happening. And then uh, Aldis, it's surprising that he's, he's he's only 36 years old. Really? I thought yeah. that he was maybe like 42, 43, something like that. Yeah, Cody's older, isn't he? Yeah, more, more, more to half, probably half the WWE roster are old yeah. Nick Aldis is. He started really young in TNA. He, like, he, was, in his, he was very in his early 20s when he first started out in, uh, in Impact. So, um, so yeah, it feels like uh, it's a bit young to be given, uh, like, to be, I'd say, like, I guess, part way, at the very least, hanging out the boots and just taking the pen backstage. But I feel like it clearly... There's, it's one of those no, there's no smoke without fire things and if nobody is coming for you when you've been pretty much free agent for the last year or so and the two biggest companies in the US aren't are not knocking on your door then mm. your options are you go to Impact or you just work the indies for a, a while and clearly he's he's he does if he wants to be if he wants to be wrestling he wants to be wrestling at a certain level now at this point in his career and clearly the two companies that can offer him that aren't interested in giving him it so so yeah and he, he went to impact for a little while just maybe like as a swan song thing did a few like higher profile matches for them i can't say just from like he's a he's a decent worker like he's very very solid and he's a great talker i don't think it would be like it's a massive miss or i think it's a tragedy that he's not uh, getting this opportunity because fundamentally he's a weaker wrestler than most of the people on the like raw SmackDown rosters. Like he, you know, like he's solid and he's got a very old school uh, approach and old school like technique, which I think in some way would be refreshing. In some ways, I think, oh great, another carrying cross. Uh, but um, hmm. so so yeah, I, I can't say that I'm going to miss out too much or feel like oh he could have had great matches with X, Y, and Z because I can't really count that many great. Aldis matches that I recall, not that I've like, followed his career super closely because he was in the dying days of it. Like he got to the main event in the dying days of uh, TNA and NWA. It's NWA. Yeah, yeah. And so like Robert Scrum is like he's he's proven that he's a world caliber wrestler. Yeah, he's a world caliber wrestler for a D tier promotion. But that see, I liked what he did with Cody at All In and NWA Yeah, but I think that was Cody. That's not Nick. And I like look 
know, kind of has not been kind to this individual. But he had a really good match with Marty Skrull as well. And I was hoping that, like, by leaving the NWA, he was ready to take that chance. And, of course, he ended up in Impact, which is typically the place that I've referred to as the place people go when they're not ready to take that chance. So it maybe it ultimately seems like you won't get the chance. I just... I think there could have been something there, but I completely understand what you guys are saying as well. And let's be honest. I mean, it sounds rough to say, but not everybody gets the Cody Rhodes treatment. Not everybody leaves, becomes a bigger deal, comes back and wins a world championship like a a Christian did, or... You know, everybody gets the AJ Styles situation where for years everybody talks about, man, I don't know how WWE doesn't pick that person up. And then when they go, they succeed very well. Some people, even like a Samoa Joe, they get to WWE and shit happens. And for some reason, it all fizzles out. And we let we are left scratching our heads like, how could you fumble this? Nick Aldis is in a situation where he has been around for a while and he's been... A big enough name in TNA, Impact, whatever the branding is, Global Force, you know, I mean, it's been a couple brandings here and there, that he would have been on their radar. And a guy like a Bobby Roode was, and, you know, Styles, and, you know, these other people and all. If WWE really wanted him, they would have been able to grab him a long time ago. Because it seems like he probably would have came years and years prior. If AEW really wanted him, they probably would have been able to sign him right out of the gate. Or at least sometime over the past couple of years. The fact that they didn't, whether it's confusing or not, just happened. And sometimes people are an Adam Pierce in WWE, where Adam Pierce never got a run in WWE, but he was brought in as a producer because of his time in NWA and all. And some people just tend to succeed more on the producer side. They have to replenish this whole, you know, producer slash trainer slash performance center coach, you know, like all those different types of roles. They cycle people in and out. And some people stick around for a long time. Clearly William Regal, for instance, is a triple H like, mainstay i want you controlling a good portion of this for as long as possible because as soon as they had the opportunity to bring him back they did but gregory helms and people like uh you know matt bloom and all these different types maybe that's the calling for nick aldis maybe he's the type of guy that knows well enough on the producer side of it that he could end up being a damn good producer in wwe and like an abyss maybe that yeah you know obviously it wasn't the plan for jason jordan but he and tyson kidd by all accounts people really like them as producers and their injuries stopped them from being in ring competitors and nick aldis doesn't have that going on but we could look at this going forward he might get it like a full deal because right now from my understanding he's brought in as kind of like a trial period and not necessarily like he is signed to be a producer. We could go a couple months from now and it could be like, yeah, Aldis is producing like the main segments because they like him so much. And maybe that leads to some kind of a spot down the line where he does do some sort of a performance or whatever. Maybe not. It's an interesting 
setup at the very least because he could very easily just well you know three weeks from now we hear that it didn't work out and he's back to going to impact or something and the same for anything else i mean i don't put as much stock into the nia jack story as i do with Kyrie saying and the nick aldis one i think Kyrie is just coming to wwe just she's returning then that's the end of it we'll see her pop up aldis seems like a trial thing jacks the things that i keep reading and seeing here and there she has something about that she's like she steps back in the ring here and there with like charlotte and uh i think it's like devon's people so maybe she's trying to improve maybe she's just sort of like well i got nothing else going on so maybe I think that was at natty's by the way i think that was at the dungeon uh maybe that's out of case i don't know maybe it's both uh, for all i fucking know but i think that the one to make the biggest splash would be Kyrie. The one who might have the overall biggest contribution could potentially be backstage with Aldis. And I think the one that would make the biggest headlines, but not contribute all that much is Nia. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting to watch over the course of the next few weeks or months to see which things pan out, and which things don't. But if we're talking about the state of WWE and careers and all, let's talk about another big topic that's going on here. And it's going to be a weird situation where I'm not as doom and gloom as I was a couple days ago about it. But Triple H will not be a part of the board of directors of this whole TKO thing. My original reaction was just, God damn it, man. Like We're going another notch downward and this is just going to be another... Triple H loses more creative control and now he's getting bossed around by even more people and he's losing grip of the company. And now we're going to look at Vince more and whatever. But the more that I thought about it, does it really change anything? Because the board of directors is not the WWE board of directors anymore. It's going to be this TKO entity. So you're going to have like, Ari Emanuel, and you're going to have people that represent the UFC side of things and people that represent the WWE side of things. And I don't know a lot of the mechanics of these types of things where it comes to, I read one thing that was talking about WWE has five seats on the board, but only two of them can be actual employees that you like, you can't promote from within. You have to hire three other people. Because it's Vince and Nick Khan and then three others that can't be in WWE. That makes no fucking sense to me. But then again, I'm the type of person who says you should just be honest and tell people what you're doing as a company instead of doing corporate speak. So, you know, what the fuck do I know, right? That in and of itself is almost more interesting to me because what happens with Barrios and Wilson? What happens with Kevin Dunn? All these other people that have had a lot of control. I look at it as this triple H is probably going to remain chief creative officer. And they're going to look at it in the sense of like, all right, you're the head of production for like writing the storylines and all, but you don't do jack shit for anything that deals with the company making money. Like you don't negotiate deals with sponsors you don't talk to the people that are booking the venues. You don't do any of that. You write the shows and you are a quote unquote, like vice president or like an assistant manager, essentially on this like corporate level. 
and everybody else is going to be the ones that are dealing with the let's create this new type of clothing line let's create this new avenue for selling the advertisement space let's new uh, let's do the whole thing with the ring canvas and the sponsorship deals wouldn't that just technically be the same situation as what they're in now except he just doesn't have any like extra pull right and i guess it's it's a reasonable thought my only thing is you this whole mcmahon thing has gone so wild so quickly that you just never know what the actual environment is if there's any tension there or not so i just keep all that in mind but ultimately like you said it doesn't seem like it'll change too much, if anything at all. Yeah, but I mean, the likelihood is it won't change much, but it's hard to like rule out any weird possibilities when like he kicked his own door out of the company. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> ooh, you know what just thought uh, dawned on me when you said that. If this is true that you can't necessarily bring on somebody from the board of directors that's already working within the company, if Stephanie's not employed, she, she becomes be eligible, she right? Be, she won't be coming back. I mean, I I she, think that it's probably she so, left so on her own accord. It was a, like a long play. What if? What if? It's. Just, I don't think that's the case. For that, for the record, I think that she probably was like, "This is too fucking stressful, and I don't want to deal with this. My dad's a pain in the ass, and I'm gone." But what if it was a long con? What if it was like, okay, I will promote uh, Nick Khan to a board of directors role and myself. That's our two from within the company. And we need three other people. So one of them is Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> that would be such a fucking wrestling trope, wouldn't it? I mean, it was me, weird. Austin. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, it would be like a nonsensical storyline move considering like the whole like the whole long con for Vince was actually kicking her out of the company in the first place just to bring her back when she's no longer actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes as much sense as a lot of the storylines that they do, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Vince Russo salivating at the idea of it, but... Um... You get fucking Hornswoggle on the board of directors as uh, <laughs> surrogate McMahon. But I, um, but yeah, I'm, I, I think that the only thing that changes realistically, I guess it's just... a. Uh, a slight layer less of security and also it means the triple h doesn't have any um well I, again i don't know how it kind of works but i assume his maybe potential power behind the scenes in some degree or at least like his shareholding power in this new entity decreases so uh, yeah i'd say realistically the likelihood is nothing is going to change in the grand scheme of things it just means that if things do switch around later on, it means that he's a bit more expendable than he otherwise was. Yeah. I mean, something that is changing, which, yeah, we saw it coming, but it's still a big deal. Vince will no longer have the power he did. You know, Vince is going to have, I think, 16% of TKO. And the same percentage of votes. So, like, after all these years of just being able to, you know, do whatever he wanted because he had this immense voting power, he doesn't have that anymore. 
I still think that there's a good chance that within a year of this being signed, sealed, and delivered, that Vince is pushed out. I, I, I still doubt that just because, and I know it could just be corporate speak, but it seems that he was a crucial part of them doing the deal in the first place. I think, I, I, do, I do genuinely think that there is a big um, fault in world of media in particular that nobody can promote professional wrestling except Vince McMahon. And that I'm, I, I also think that there's a good possibility that when Vince is even no longer able to do it or like the, like the worst case scenario happens, that, um, that WWE is going to suffer a big, big loss for a while or will take a while for them to recover from it. Maybe this transition into it is into TKO is part of that process to try and uh, bring that stability to it when he's no longer around. But, um, but yeah, I think that there is that I think that there is a big mindset that because of what he's done over the past like 40, 50 years or so, that he is a messiah in wrestling and that's anything that he says is correct. I can see that being the case where they look at that as like, well, he's the safest thing for the stock for our transition. We want to keep Vince on because that way people don't think that we're changing too much. He's the familiar name. He's the guy that they might not agree with his tactics. And let's be honest, uh, most of the people that are like in the stock side of it, they don't actually watch the product. They don't really give a shit about what's happening on TV. They care about the baseline money and that's it. I think that that could be like, well, we want Vince at the forefront of this because that'll quell any people that are concerned about yeah, you know, let's put it this way. Triple H doesn't have a master's degree in business and economics and whatever the hell. He's a wrestler. So they would look at that as, why is this guy on the board of directors? He's not a businessman. He is a wrestler. Whereas somebody like Vince, they go, okay, he's been controlling this business for decades. And then once they get stable enough and everything settles down and you know all the big rush of the stock that happens with this deal slowly trickles into what it's going to stick around with for the most part then i could see it being like yeah well now that he's you know got this other trial going on or whatever now we think that it's best for him to step aside and retire and then we're going to boot him out wouldn't shock me whatsoever but I think for the people that are really concerned that Triple H isn't on the board of directors, meaning that he is not going to have control, I don't think he was going to have control anyway. They pretty much settled on that earlier this year by selling the company to begin with. It's not going to be the Triple H and Stephanie show like we all thought it was going to be, which I'm still disappointed about. But I honestly think that this doesn't change anything, at least as far as Triple H. Now, when it comes to Barrios, Wilson, Dunn, a lot of the other names that I couldn't even name that might be something that is an even bigger shift. I don't know. We'll see. Do we know what the fuck the board of directors like. Let's. I'm not gonna pretend like I know what's going on here. Do we know what they do as board of directors? Because largely, it seems like they're just there to prop up Vince McMahon, as he says. Here's what the fuck we're doing, folks. Yeah, pretty much. So, is it really gonna be a shift? <laughs> That well, as far as voting power to do anything, 
like you know a kevin dunn would probably just go 100 percent with what vince is doing and if vince is now a part of a group that has plenty other say and you know majority power and all you could see this be one of those things where it's like very quickly all the wwe side of it becomes well you don't have the power to vote for there so let's change this let's change this idea it doesn't matter if vince thinks we need to keep things the way that it was we want to try something different so it's six to five there you go you know like you no, said I'm- vince has had full control before and now he's going to give up not more control than ever he's going to give up all control essentially no i'm just gonna Again, my opinion, no one else's, yada yada, there's your disclaimer. Uh, I think the reason this whole deal happened to begin with is probably because Vince trusts Ari Emanuel more than he wanted to trust his own family. And I think he doesn't care what happened. This was his final move. This was his end game. And whatever happens is whatever. Because I did the thing. I took my father's company built it into this sold it for this i'm out i don't know if he really will care what happens going forward Hmm. so it's ultimately like well whoever has the company next if things run into the ground it's their fault i did everything that i could possibly do Yep, my legacy is what it is. I get the rights to my name and my story. Suck it. Hmm. Well, we could go on and on about when it comes to the way that corporations are run these days. And, you know, Vince McMahon being the Walt Disney of pro wrestling. And then you look at the way that Bob Iger is talking about how Disney should or shouldn't do business these days of like, well, we're going to spend no money on anything and not do streaming and not do linear TV and somehow make more money. And it's like, how the fuck is that going to work, pal? You know, (laughs) we're going to spend less, give you less, charge you more and you'll be okay with it. Uh, Well, that's kind of what WWE has been doing. (laughs) Eventually bubbles burst. So I would be all for all these companies getting a massive hit and then being like, fuck, I guess we have to pay people and give them good content and actually be halfway decent instead of just uh, selling snake oil. But that's another thing to talk about another day. Let's get into, well, before we get into TV stuff, we can loop two of these things in with that. Let's pivot away from WWE talk about New Japan. Callum, what are the updates, if there are anything noteworthy, on the G1? Well, it is quite noteworthy because the, well, not only are the initial blocks over and done with, and we knew who the eight people were going into the quarterfinals of the G1 as we enter the uh, closing phases of this, we now know who won all the quarterfinal matches as well, as the uh, semifinal and the finals will be taking place this weekend. But just as an immediate update, if you haven't been following along, so there are four blocks, A, B, C, and D, and two wrestlers have qualified from each of those ones. In block A, uh, Sonata qualified top after winning all seven of his matches straight. Like no loan losses, no draws, anything, just seven straight wins. And he was followed by Hikuleo, was the uh, second place mm. uh, runner-up of that, um, after he lost his first three matches but then won his four final matches consecutively. 
to uh, qualify alongside him. In the B block, as you would expect, it was Okada followed by Osprey. No real surprises there. In C block, maybe somewhat of a surprise to some people, it was David Finley finished top of the group, and then he was followed by Evil. So two uh, Bullet Club guys. Well, I guess Bullet Club offshoot for Evil was part of the House of Torture, but still two guys that use a lot of shenanigans in their matches. And then in Block D, it was Tetsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. finishing uh, first and second in that group to advance. That left that the uh, quarterfinals were Tetsuya Naito versus Hikuleo, which Tetsuya Naito won, so he's his through to the semifinals. Then it was Will Ospreay defeated David Finlay to advance. Then Kazuchika Okada defeated Zack Sabre Jr. to make it to the semis. And finally... Sonada suffered his first ever defeat as uh, IWGP champion to Evil. That is ridiculous. I want to. I, I want to recount. Um. Yeah, in a match that um, I've I haven't actually watched any of these matches because I haven't had a chance to just get through to them. But um, I'm reliably informed by a lot of people on Twitter whose opinions I trust in wrestling was arguably the worst match of the entire tournament. I wow! I am shocked. Let me tell you, <laughs> how shocked I am at this news. It was a lot of uh, a lot of interference and a lot of um, shenanigans, which is what you get with evil and the House of Torture. So, so yeah, and uh, that means that the quarterfinals will be taking place on uh, on uh, on uh, yeah on Sunday show. I believe it is going to be. I need to just double check this just to confirm it because it's it's all about these like configurations of who's actually going to be facing who at some point. Uh, so it's going to be Evil against Okada. And it's going to be Osprey against Naito. On, uh, so we're, we're, on still, we're still fully your Naito and Okada. Looking yeah, more still, and more like Naito, but... I would say right. that, just from my perspective, I think the winner of Osprey and Naito wins the G1. Yeah, I don't, I, don't I, don't, I don't put a lot of stock in. Oh, God is obviously, he's always a favourite, but I think that it's very unlikely they're going to have him win three in a row. And they better not give Evil this. They've already now set up because Evil's beaten Sonata, so that means Evil's going to get a world title shot no matter what, so he doesn't need to win the G1. So, Do so they yeah, have any, um, any pay-per-views that they're doing before Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, they're doing tours beforehand, and, and they will do What's some the big shows. Big, like, Sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't name the fix. They changed the names of the shows. They don't have like consistent names for them throughout the year. So what, it's not what, like what, you know, like Dominion. It's like you know every year and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 to be fair, as far as I'm aware, like it's only really Dominion and um, and Wrestle Kingdom are kind of the most consistent ones. You have got like New Year's Dash after that. There's a few that are kind of stuck in place, but we know that whatever show it will happen on, we know that we're getting Evil versus Sonata in a title match at some point in probably like October or November time. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see what other things come out of it. But yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm, uh, still very much heavily leaning towards Naito. There's nothing they've done. That's given me any suggestion to the point where they even, um, in the D block going towards the uh, final show. Um, it was a scenario where Jeff Cobb, uh, Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. were all on the same points. And they constructed a formula where uh, Jeff Cobb was counted out in his match 
which well, it was a double count out, so there was a draw in his match, which allowed Naito and Zatsevich to win, and they configured it so, to make sure that Naito was top of the group, so he faced Ikolo because if he if he finished second in the group, he would have to face Okada. Mm. So I think that they're very much leaning towards Okada versus Naito in the final. But you know, strange things happened. I think there's there's a very real possibility that Osprey wins it because he hasn't won G one yet and he's one of their biggest stars. So, so yeah, um, just based on again both my watching of the shows that I've watched so far and a lot of other people's reflections on it, it hasn't been a banner G1 in terms of match quality. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I don't think it's one that will live long in the memory, but we'll see who ends up winning and we'll know that as of Sunday. Sunday's when we crown our winner. Mm. And we know at least one half of the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Absolutely. So if it's... If it's Osprey, do you think Sonata keeps the belt still Tokyo? Um, well, it's just I don't I don't know who he would drop it to in that time. Like, you're not going to do Evil and Osprey as the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. So I guess it would be Sonata. So that's why that's always why I'm leaning towards Naito because Naito and Sonata at least have a history to make it worthy of some kind of main event. I still think, regardless, if if you are having Sonata going into the main event of that show as your champion, you're going to need to have a strong undercard to support it. But Which maybe they plan on like Omega Osprey being, yeah, kind of like you know semi main and all. Yeah, either that or another, um, or doing the Okada Danielson rematch or something like that, or maybe both. Even. Yeah, um, but I mean, both on the card like that. That already sounds like that's three main events. And then you just slot the world. yeah the world title match went on last, but it's okay. Hmm. Um, that crosses those guys off the list too. Like you're talking about Osprey, Naito, and Okada being three that you're really watching out for on the G1. Well, if you got Okada, Danielson, and you got Naito, Sonata, and you got you know what I mean, like that kind of fits the bill as far as when we're fantasy booking, like what are they going to do for WrestleMania or what are they going to do for an AEW show? And you're like, all right, well you got to get MJF, you got to get whatever, like, you know, you go through the list like that. That makes sense. At least from an outsider's perspective, from my point of view. Um, you mentioned Sonata and I just want to briefly touch on some of the things we don't normally hear because Sonata is going to be taking part in impacts emergence event. That is August 27th, which is the same day as all out, all in. So that scratches the IWGP champion off of that show. But also, there's the second night of NWA 75 on August 27th. And I just want to say real quick, why in God's name, on a night that just belongs to AEW in every facet... Would you run two pay-per-views from these two promotions? I just, I don't understand. I get, in theory, the idea that people will watch what they want. But, like, don't you want to set yourself up to succeed a little bit? You know, like, who's going to be like, oh, man, just watched All In and The Presser. Let's tune in to see if EC3 beats Tyrus. Like, just wanted a quick rant about that because yeah. like I don't get it. I, I mean, don't know I'm, why these companies do that. I'm the type of person that has said, in all accounts, 
like, okay, well, if you're putting Young Rock up against SmackDown, you're doing it because you want to kill Young Rock. You want to make the ratings go so low that you justify canceling it. Uh, you know, if you're doing a TV show on a Monday night opposite of Monday Night Raw and it's a wrestling thing, it's because you are so ignorant of the idea that there's competition that you think that everybody's just going to flock to you or you are so worried that if you put it on another night and it doesn't do all that well that you're going to look even worse because hey, look the worst days of the week to air things have nothing on them and i've always thought if saturday is quote unquote the worst day to put tv on why wouldn't you put your show on Saturday where if nothing else is on, people will watch your show and then networks don't do it. So maybe the people in charge of those companies are sitting there thinking we'd rather be able to say we didn't get a whole lot of buy rates because we had competition and that'll be our excuse rather than if we did it the week after where there's nothing else going on and virtually the same amount of people buy it then we have nothing other than, yeah, our company sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, it's annoying for me because also like, look, even aside from the work thing, and we've talked about this before, burnout is a thing. Like people, I have a friend who I used to watch, as I used to now, because after SummerSlam, he was like, you know, I thought about it. I don't think I want to watch on SmackDown anymore. There's just too much wrestling on. I don't want to do that. And it's like people aren't taking that into account. They're so excited that there is so much uh, real estate for all these shows. Burnout is a thing and it's causing people to not care about ROH, not care about Impact because there's only so much room in your brain and time in your day to make for these promotions. Callum has taken to completely like I'm going to invest in stardom and I'll check out Noah. I'm going to not invest my time in three hour Raws and two hour Smackdowns. I think these companies aren't taking that into account. Just a small thing I wanted to say. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? There's a certain urge. <laughs> Is it to merge? Damn straight it is. <laughs> I see. So let's get into the TV side of this discussion. There are, of course, lots of different shows, as just mentioned, and we're not going to run down every single thing of it. We're not going to run down everything that happened in any of those shows because I don't want to do that anymore. But one of the things we can talk about, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, as I said earlier today, you're supposed to be honest when you're talking to people. I don't want to fucking do it anymore, so that's why we don't do it as, as much. So instead, we're pitching it the way that I think we're going to do going forward, which is, did anything happen on these shows that you feel like talking about? Otherwise, we move on. But before we get into any of that, let's talk about the changes to the Raw and SmackDown commentary teams, because they did switch it up. Now it is Wade Barrett and Michael Cole on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves have swapped from their role over to SmackDown, and Michael Cole is staying on SmackDown supposedly with this idea in mind that he is going to continue to train Kevin Patrick to be somewhat of the next Michael Cole. And uh, I think it's 
Wade Barrett and Byron Saxton on main event, but who the fuck cares because it's main event. No changes as far as the NXT side of it goes. I know that Booker's NXT deal expires sometime relatively soon. They'll probably just re-sign him. But Vic Joseph strikes me more as the next Michael Cole than Kevin Patrick. I don't know if yep. anybody else agrees. Like, doesn't he kind of fit the mold a little better? Is Vic he- Joseph is fantastic. <laughs> and unless it's a thing that because he's got a family, or maybe Mackenzie just doesn't want to leave Florida, that he's not leaving NXT. I I can't imagine why that wouldn't be the guy that you go to if he's good. Um, I'll say this. It's not groundbreaking or anything, but having Michael Cole on the call for Monday Night Raw severely helped the show. That show has been the home of whatever random hodgepodge team you wanted since... SmackDown moved to Fox because they wanted Michael on the call for that. And I just haven't really liked any of it. I'm not going to lie. It didn't didn't make the three hours, you know, insanely better, but it helped the presentation with Michael Cole on the call. I mean, look, we've had criticism of Cole in the past, and we've also come around to the idea of, like, how great is Michael Cole? And nobody's perfect. And, you know, I mean, even at, at their best, like, for my money, Jim Ross in his heyday is my favorite commentator on the play-by-play side. Jim Ross in AEW, absolutely not. By the way, real quick, his contract apparently expires in September. What do you think is going to end up happening with that? I just assume they'll probably resign him. I assume he'll probably retire. <laughs> like, I-, I think he's good. I think he's had his fill. Could be the case course we'll talk about that when push comes to shove but i do think that having cole on raw helps because i i you know i don't hate kevin patrick or anything like along those lines especially the you know as a person like i don't you know fucking know the guy but i do think that his commentary style is on the blander side and i don't feel like he and Corey graves have that sort of look there's jerry the king lawler and there's jim ross together that's a team Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. That's a team. I was really digging the Michael Cole and Pat McAfee team. I thought that they had a really good synergy. I don't feel that with Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves. They might be buds. They might get along really well. They've been in the weeds there for quite a while. And I don't feel like that's a super entertaining duo. So having Cole fill in the three hour show is better just because he understands the role better. I think that's an upgrade. And I think that's interesting that not that long ago, there was a lot of talk about Cole being like, I really want to wind down my career. (laughs) Now it's like, Hey, can you do double duty? (laughs) I think it's a lot of it's the seniority. A lot of it's the nostalgia really. Like I remember having a similar feeling when they swapped, JR from Raw, and they put Michael Cole in that position. And I was like, it feels wrong to hear him calling the A show. And now I'm exact opposite. Like, it feels so much more like the top show when you have Michael Cole calling the program. And a lot of that might boil down to look, he came up through Jim Ross and through, he's worked with Heyman. And he had different experiences 
that some of these new guys don't have because it's just Michael Cole coaching them on how to be Michael Cole. Whereas there used to be a little more nuance and like, hey, you can do this here and add this here. Now I think everybody thinks they're just doing entertainment pitch man. And there's a bit more to the job. And I'm glad Michael Cole's on Raw. So that's one thing to talk about for TV stuff. And as far as specifics for all these shows, a couple things happened on Raw that are noteworthy. Chad Gable's got an intercontinental title shot. Now, I know that Callum's invested in that quite a bit. Do you think he's actually got a chance to beat Gunter? Obviously not anytime in the next month or so. But... Yeah, I think I think the crowd are super invested in Gable from what I've seen, and I think that he's a worthy choice to be the one to dethrone him. I'm not saying that should be like a springboard for him to be like a world champion down like the road, even though I think that he's got the tools to have that as long as he's given enough credibility behind him. But yeah, I could definitely see like like the guy that ended up beating uh, Walter Walter Gable's Walter at the time, uh, Gunter for the. Um, the UK championship was a much smaller guy. So I think Gable can def- definitely has the mold for that. I'm looking forward to what they do, but if they're just going to do the match quickly to get it over with, now there's no chance. He's got to break that record. The more, the closer he gets, the more it becomes, bro, how the fuck did Honky Tonk Man hold that title so long? It's insane to me. Yeah, because it wasn't even like Honky Tonk Man was, you know, some great in-wearing worker or like that there weren't colorful enough characters that could have just won that in, you know, the meantime over the course of two months or something from him. Well, Honky Tonk's man was, uh, Honky Tonk Man's reign was a, uh, was a complete, like, had a lot of flukes and accidents within anyway. He was, he was booked to lose it multiple times. And, um... A mixture of things of i mean he was hardly supposed to get it in the first place the only reason he got the title was because uh ricky steamboat said that he didn't want to work certain days or wanted to take a weekend off and so they decided to just give his intercontinental title to the honky tonk man and then and i think there's also the rumor about butch reed being the guy who was supposed to beat steamboat for it to begin with yeah and then there was yeah and i can't remember like specifics off my head but i'm pretty sure there was at least one circumstance where he was supposed to, he was booked to drop the title on a show and then he just didn't show up. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just so funny because you think about, like, when you ask someone who you think of when you see the Intercontinental title, it's almost never him. Ever. But he's held it for so long, they have to have Gunther break it. I think for sure he's going to break it. But I do think that giving Chad Gable a spotlight here, and I thought it was cute too, but like um, he picked up his kid and ran around the ring and all. He was like in, uh, I don't know if it was his hometown or at least like somewhat in that vicinity. Yeah, you know what? Do that. Like you need to give people a boost so that they can become a uh, worthwhile challenger so that when Gunter wins, it's like, all right, damn, he could have had a chance to beat Gunther, and now I'm invested in the match, and ah, that damn heel, rather than it just being like, all right, who do we feed 
to Gunther for the next month just to continue to keep it like that. I think it's a good decision to go with Chad Gable here, but I don't think he's winning that belt. And I don't think that it's going to happen after the record either. I don't think that they're going to like have him lose and then come back around to it sometime in September and then have Gable win. I think that they're just going to go with somebody else probably, but we'll see. Um, that was one of the big things that happened on Raw. Another big thing that happened. New Day returned. Good to see Hell them yeah. back in action. I like their in-character excuse, too. We're going to interject some positivity back into the main roster. Mm-hmm. With uh, the Usos feuding with each other and uh, something else to talk about. The Street Profits are with Bobby Lashley now, and it seems like they were supposed to be turning heel, yet the crowd was super into it. So, Yeah, I, I was because it was like... It was weird that they were like, oh, my God, those Street Profits. But it's like Bobby wasn't a heel, first of all. He was babyface when he last was on TV. And everybody's going to pop for the fact that, one, you're using the Street Profits. Two, you're changing them up a little bit, but not drastically. Like, you're not changing their names. You're just, hey, they're going to wear suits now and be more badass. They're not going to boo that. Do you think they're going for a heel turn or do you think that they are just going for like, well, they've got an attitude now. I think they're going to go for in between, but we would like you to be heel if we can. Any thoughts on that, Callum? Future of the profits and all? Um, I think it's a it's a good move for them i mean it's, it's definitely a better move than just not being on tv so that this this be a good vehicle for it um one anything else i think it's a good vehicle to turn bianca Belair Belair hill hill yes i think that that's an absolute move should happen she has the poise she has the style she realistically should be tired of being screwed out of everything they always do this with baby faces, like they did it with Bailey, where they do kind of like the you people thing. It doesn't need to be a you people thing, but she's absolutely within her right to just go, yeah, I'm not going to play within the rules when you guys keep fucking me around. There's uh, another heel turn with Shinsuke Nakamura, making that official by attacking Seth Rollins after their match, which also had a... Uh, Cody and Seth patched things up. So get a heel turn at the same time as two people that were against each other being like, all right, we can begrudgingly respect each other now and all. I think the begrudging respect is there. I think they're telling a really interesting story with Cody and Seth Rollins where they keep kind of coming face to face. Somebody always gets in the way. And I think Cody's just going to tell Seth, hey, bud, no disrespect. It's not you. You're not finishing the story. So I'm going to go to the Royal Rumble now and try to win so I can fight Roman. And that can put a chip on Seth's shoulder, you know, like, because that's where he was going on Raw. where He was like, you know, my mom made me realize, oh, Brock Lesnar acknowledged me. And I feel like I can beat anybody in the world. And then Seth Rollins shows up like, I know where you think you're going, but I'm the guy. And you tell that story of like, no matter how hard Seth is working, 
it's just not you, you know? I think it could be a lot of fun. Nakamura, on the other hand, I like that they're going to put him in the ring with Rollins for the title. I wish he had been presented strong enough that I felt like there was a chance he could win. That's very, um, what's a nice way of saying this? (laughs) The workhorse title thing that they go with is obviously a narrative that they want to push just to get people to view it through the perspective of like, isn't it great that this belt's being defended so much? We won't pay any attention to the fact that Romans isn't because we're just going to mask a negative by hyping up the alternative positive. I guess that's a good way to phrase it. But at the same time, since the start of creating this belt, it's been referred to as the B championship and the, I can't beat Roman Reigns consolation prize. Everything that goes along with it needs to be on par or surpass what's happening with the three belts that revolve around Roman Reigns right now, because he gave him an extra belt just to make it like two is not enough to prove that this is above that other one. Let's give him an extra one. I like Shinsuke, man, but he does not come off as, oh man, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Seth Rollins. Yup, that's exactly the opposite brand's equivalent to the Roman Reigns thing. No, it's the backup. And Shinsuke's got no chance of winning that title. But it should be a fun match of payback. I agree. That's what I got for Monday Night Raw. Or go ahead, Cal. Yeah, it's I was just in agreement. Like, you, you've, you buried Shinsuke's credibility for the best part of the last, like, since he's been on the main roster. So, yeah, he's got no chance of beating Rollins. And if he does, it feels like Rollins is, takes a hit from it. We got on NXT a couple of little things here and there. One of them being that they have announced that Heatwave is going to return. It's going to be a TV special because they have NXT No Mercy. So again, they're continuing this whole special episode of NXT here and there kind of thing, which I think is a good idea. I think that they should do that for the main roster too. I think why not have Night of Champions be a main roster thing of just say it's the the week of champions where all the Raw titles are defended on Raw and all the SmackDown titles are defended on there and so on and so forth. But NXT Heat Wave is happening on August 22nd. So they did some matches to kind of set that up a little bit. And some of them, of course, are going to continue on building towards No Mercy. But we got a couple little pros and cons of what's happening along the road with that. Uh, One of them being the Heritage Cup will be defended. Nathan Fraser is going to go up against Noam Dar. Tyler Bate had beaten Noam Dar for the fake Heritage Cup rules trophy set up the whole thing and then that's what led to noam dar admitting that it's not the real one and then that's what gave him a title shot i don't give a shit about this i want them to just get rid of that cup to begin with i don't i don't like the heritage cup rules matches i think that the cup is gaudy and awkward to carry around a big gas trophy i'm not a fan of any of this but um we'll talk about some predictions for heat wave uh when push comes to shove for that Schism still couldn't figure out anything going on with the Creed Brothers, but we know Hank and Tank are now going to try to call themselves Smash Mouth. 
I think it's funny. I want them to start off the match by going some body and just hit somebody like that, like the meme that goes around. Uh, we have a new stable, it seems. Charlie Dempsey, Drew Gulak, Miles Bourne, and Damon Kemp. It's a foursome. Well I, I would not have put those foursome together, but you know what? I haven't seen shit from Miles Bourne. Go ahead and toss them in there. Why not? And Kemp with Gulak and Dempsey? Uh, I can kind of see it. Thumbs up. I like it. Big sense. I know that you're a Kemp fan. Callum, do you think that it's a good idea to pair him with these guys, or would you rather just go with that Gable Stevenson thing, or do you think he should just be on his own? It doesn't matter. I'm not watching anyway. Well, you like Damon Kemp quite a bit. He's probably one of your more favorite ones on NXT at this point, right? I think you are. Well, yeah, yeah, but like I haven't watched anything that he's done for the last mm. like, X number of X number of months. So, like, essentially, he's got he's in the problematic position of being in a show that I don't care about. So even if I do think that he's uh, got potential. I'm not going to see any of it until it gets into the main roster. Oh, you missed out on a really great segment on NXT that I'm sure that you are really um, going to be like, man, I'm kicking myself for not checking this out. Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza very sadly texted each other back and forth about how they're disappointing their grandfather because they're not doing good enough. When NXT does this shit, I just want them on the CW network. <laughs> like, why? Well, why are you showing, oh, we're texting each other, and here's my message. And, by the way, we love our grandfather so much that he's in both of our bedrooms. Look, I love my family. <laughs> <laughs> but there is no picture of my family just staring at my bed, I promise. And I thought it was great that there was like the transition between that they've been texting each other all night, kind of. And it's like Angel Garza just like loses some of his clothes. <laughs> and people are like, yo, why are they texting each other? And Garza's taking his shirt off and everything. Like, well, people are dumb. Like, you're going to sit there and tell me, like, if you're at home, you've never just like walked around your house without a shirt on? No, but I mean, the context of it, people were like, where is this going? Like, why are they texting about their grandfather and how much they love him and he's losing his clothes? Like, it's just starting to become like a sexting thing or something. It's just, it was so awkwardly done. Cause first off, people should know by now, cell phones have been around for 20 years. Well, I mean, they've been around since the 80s, but you know, not in the same kind of way. But we've had TV shows and we've had movies and all. Texting people is not interesting on screen. And even when you put it up on some kind of like GUI system popping up and, you know, a fun little like set of graphics or whatever, it's still kind of a slog to get through. And it doesn't convey emotions the same as an actual conversation would be. That's why characters in TV shows and movies for no fucking reason at all will drive to the other person's house so that they can have a conversation face-to-face where they really could have just sent a quick text message because it's a TV show or it's a movie. It's not real life. Now, yeah, if you want to go for the realism, they probably would be texting each other back and forth. But as far as creating a dynamic show, watching two people look at their phones talking about how they suck 
is not quality entertainment. And it didn't really evoke any kind of like, ah, sympathetic kind of vibes of like, wow, these two are going to really get their shit together and become a great new babyface tag team that we can really invest in and all. To me, I was just laughing at how hokey it was. And I guess they're turning babyface. So that way that they can be, you know, a bigger deal in the tag team division or something. I don't know, but this wasn't it. <laughs> this is really awkward and strange. That's so funny to me. Mm. The uh, uh, Dominic Mysterio thing was also just uh, he retained. Um, that's the Ira Valkyria. Um, the first person to be like, yeah, Rhea Ripley, you're full of shit. You're an abuser and manipulator. And she attacked her at the end of the show. That's cool. Cool for Lyra. Sad for Tony because Tony just has not been into Lyra ever. <laughs> Although I like, I like what she's done these past two weeks or so more than the past year and a half combined. I'll say that. Yeah, but I, I like still that. really don't like, you know, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh man, I really want to see that Lyra Valkyria versus Rhea Ripley match. Nah, <laughs> no, I still don't. Um, I don't really have much to say about anything else. NXT. Nah, I think that pretty much covers that. Um, we already covered SmackDown as far as the, stuff that's being advertised for SmackDown tonight. Jimmy Oso is going to cut a promo of the exact same shit you've seen a million times. It's nothing interesting. Well, hold on. Because they're advertising this as like Jimmy Uso is going to acknowledge Roman Reigns. And I just want to say if that goes off exactly like that, then you fumbled hard. If this is anything but Jimmy Uso just saying, fuck you and, and fuck you, then you missed. The phrasing on WWE.com advertisements for a lot of these, I, it's always funny to me because it's like, that's what the one says, but the other page says, what's next for the bloodline? And then you got like, Asuka and Charlotte reignite their rivalry with a singles match. They just fought. What, what do you mean reignite? It's not like they haven't fought in two years and they're kind of, now they're getting back to feuding with each other. It just happened at the last event that just went by sure reignite it fine austin theory's got that u.s title match i think that there's a good chance that santos wins i don't necessarily yeah, think I'm that thinking, it's guaranteed or anything but. but frankly i'm thinking he just does win or loss what do you think's happening callum do you think we're gonna get you know united states champion or do you think they're gonna wait and do it like with the la night thing or something I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. No, no, it's not even a non-caring thing. It's more just a case of that title has so little relevance right now that they could just switch on to Santos Escobar and do something. They could just keep it honest in theory. It really doesn't make, I don't think it's really going to make one different, like a massive difference one way or the other. Speaking of so little relevance, I hope this is the end of the mini feud between AJ and Karrion <laughs> Cross. Like, I... Yeah. Styles is winding down. Why are we putting this dude in bangers so we can like appreciate him while we have him? Or even just do enough for the feud where you can be invested in it, but well, I think uh, Aaron Cross, respect, man, what a I think that ship has sailed. 
personally for me. Yeah. Like what a failed experiment. Um, just do something with AJ. Like he is one of the few guys you have right now that if you like, if there was a mandate that Roman must defend his title every single month, he's one of those guys. Right now, he does not feel like that. He hasn't felt like that in like a year and a half. Stop me if you think I'm wrong, but like, I want AJ Styles to feel like a top star. Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think you're being generous with the year and a half thing because a year and a half ago, he was in a tag team with Omos. Was that really a year and a half ago? I thought that was. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Oof. Fuck. Really? <laughs> it's hard to keep track of some of those things. No, you're not exactly. That was what well, that was WrestleMania. That was the WrestleMania two years ago. Two years ago. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was a bit longer than that, but like he wasn't far removed from that. Yeah, but I'm just like, like the Edge thing was an out and out failure. Um, I I haven't liked anything he's done, unfortunately, since then. And it's not like the OC is bad. It's just they're just there. And AJ Styles is a guy right now who you want to interject some relevance into that U.S. title, put it on AJ, let him defend it every week. You want to interject a major challenge for Roman, put him against AJ Styles. They can have a credible story off the bat. Like, he's one of those guys that you have that I don't think should spend the, you know, winding down days of his career doing pointless TV feuds. Like don't don't Ziggler him on the way out. You know what I'm saying? Hmm, yeah. Well, that's uh, the SmackDown side. Let's get into AEW, and I guess technically ROH if there was anything worth talking about for that. Um, AEW some... set up a major match for ROH. So let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Go, go, t- take it away, Callum. Okay, so. I mean, we might as well go back to Collision a little bit because there was some big stuff on that. Uh, most notably, they the Collision seems to be the place where they uh, book matches for All In. So, <laughs> um, so we got uh, FTR challenge after they defeated um, uh, Big Bill and uh, Brian Cage uh, for the, uh, the tag title. Well, defeated to retain the tag titles in another good match, which is just a testament to... I, I like Brian Cage more than ever before now that he's part of this tag team. It really works for them. I, I think they're in the face paint and like the sting gear. What's up with that? Uh, I, I, I don't think we should always just attribute face paint to sting nowadays. No, I just like, mean like the scorpion on his tights. Uh, maybe that is just like a carryover from like the feud that he had. I mean, he was kind of the gateway feud for sting to be in AEW in the first place, or at least be wrestling in AEW. True. So maybe he, he, he likes to keep holding on to that. And then, um, but yeah, they then challenged the Bucks for the match at uh, Wembley, and the Bucks responded after they defeated the Hardys on Dynamite. They somehow managed to carry the Hardys into a good match. But the Hardys are... Rough. Yeah. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Um, but somehow the Bucks managed to have a decent match with them, but that's just a testament to how good they are at the moment. So we're going to get the the uh, third match between those two teams at Wembley, which I think is, it's the type of match that this show kind of demands. So that's good. That uh, spoiled are you, huh? Oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. I saw FTR versus um, 
Aussie uh, Open. Aussie yeah, in New Japan now I get to see them against the Bucks. So I'm doing pretty well as far as tag team matches go. Uh, then we had uh, also on Collision, I guess the other really big thing on Collision, there were a few other bits and pieces, but the main other thing was um, the main event. Well, first of all, Samoa Joe earlier in the night beats Penico in like uh, 10 seconds and then said that he wants to fight CM Punk at, uh, at All In. And then he uh, and then they had CM Punk defending his quote unquote real world championship against Ricky Starks in the main event with Ricky Steamboat as the guest enforcer slash referee. And then there was a ref bump. Ricky Steamboat got involved. He carried the pinfall for uh, Punk to beat Ricky Starks. And then Starks officially cemented his heel turn by uh, beating the shit out of Steamboat with his belt. And then Punk chased him off with a chair. So now we're we're very much. Like whether people think this is the right configuration or not, we're very much now set that Starks is the heel, Punk is the babyface. And it adds a lot of... I think in this way it's actually good, and this is it's part of the thing that I'm enjoying most about Collision, which seems to be a very cohesive show, is that on this show you both um, established who Punk is facing in all in, at All In and also at All Out. Like, you know, he's facing Samoa Joe at All In and he's going to face uh, Ricky Starks at All Out. So you think that that's the way they're going? Yeah, it will be some. It'll be a strap match, probably between um, Punk and Starks at All Out. That's a Chicago, so you can make that your main event or one of your bigger matches on the show, and you get to have the Punk and Joe match at All In. As like doesn't need to have like any titles involved or anything like that. It's just a the stage to finally draw the final line under their epic rivalry of the past. So yeah, that works. Then we go on to Weapon on Dynamite. Actually, I want to mention one thing on Ring of Honor. There's not much on Ring of Honor that's particularly interesting, but they do seem to be doing a story. We noticed that, um, well, we'll talk about it probably when we get to the Cole and MJF segment, but there's been a bit more of a presence of the kingdom on Dynamite. Yeah, Maria's not with them. Yeah, Maria's not with them, but Maria is doing stuff in Ring of Honor. And she uh, currently she is scouting two Ring of Honor talents. She's scouting Layla Hirsch and Cole Carter. The former two dimes. I like it. I'm a so big like, fan because, you know, she's got the built in relationship with Layla since Layla acted as a hired gun with Trisha Dora. And I think that the idea of Cole Carter just completely thinking Maria thinks I'm hot and she's into me will be one of the most fun stories you can tell, especially if she's around her actual husband and like. Cole just doesn't get it. Like, he keeps simping for her, and they just let it go because, hey, look, I, I'm confident in who my wife is, and they just had this dude running around for her. I like that. But uh, other than that, what's happening on Dynamite? So the segment, the first thing was the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society blowing up. Which it's, it's, I got to say, like, it didn't hit the way that I was hoping that it would at the start of the segment, I was really hoping that there would have been like some kind of a big thing to happen. And instead it was each individual person going, man, I really was a fan of being here, but I'm going to leave. And then the next person grabs the mic and they go, and I really like being a part of this, but I'm going to leave. And I was like, all right, I don't think every individual person needs to do the same thing. Cause the only two interesting parts of it in my mind were, Actually, no, there's three. I like Matt Menard's more personal 
speech about like you know being uh, his wife being pregnant and he didn't have a job at the time and all i like that element of it i thought it was funny that <laughs> uh, jake hager's like everybody knows that i liked that hat and it's like oh liked with the past tense and i like that sammy guevara's element was i'm not going to do the same thing as everybody else but for it to just culminate in continuing to stretch it out and all i feel like that hits in the same way as a lot of the WWE stuff goes where, yeah, you're stretching it. And I know you're stretching it because in your mind, you're telling a longer story and you need to like have patience, quote unquote. I don't feel like that's as much of a patience thing. I feel like it's more of just, we want to get eight weeks out of something that we have three weeks worth of material for. I liked what Tay had to say. I thought that it was nice that she said, you know, I'm going to, come back next year and be a champion without you. I thought that was a really cool way to kind of wrap up the idea that she intends to come back after, you know, starting motherhood. And it was nice. And also Sammy being the consistent, no, I was here before all this. I'll be here after this. I'm just going to say right now, I think the reason it was so drawn out and overdramatic is because they're not splitting up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, that, I mean, oh. I mean, all this led to like it gave every single person on the Jericho Fisher Society a bit of mic time. But the thing that after this segment was there was a backstage thing where Don Callis, mm. of course, came up to Jericho and said that, "Hey, I'm sorry if I was involved in anything to do with that because he's like the ultimate slime ball." And then Jericho told him he's going to make a decision. He's he's ready to make a decision about the well, family he's idea. Join him, yeah, yeah, where he's going to join. They're going to announce it next week. And very much next week, I think that Jericho is going to tell uh, Callis to suck it. Yeah. And he's going to get attacked by Will Ospreay. Yep. It's exactly how I see it going down. Because it'll be like, what do you mean you're not going to do that? Well, if you're not going to join my family, then, you know, if you're not with me or against me, and here's somebody who is a part of my extended well, family say, and whatever. It's not Ospreay, even though I know what well, kind of has to be, I guess, because they're running out of time for Wembley. But I want to see who else is in this faction. Because he keeps calling it a family, and I'm like, you've got Takeshita. Who else is in this family? That'll be Omega. It'll be Takeshita Omega at All In. Nope. No, uh, well, uh, reports are suggesting that All In is going to be, again, these things change all the time, but at the moment, the speculation is that it will be Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi versus Takeshita, uh, Jay White, and Juice Robinson in a trios match. Uh, I can see them doing that then, and then doing Takeshita versus Omega but singles all out, yeah. in all out. Yeah. yeah, because you have you have like a show the next week. It's hard. You have to like kind of plan out both of these stories. I also want to point out, Fightful Select reported that Brian Danielson was considered for a one-on-one with Omega at Wembley before he broke his arm. Yeah, this is showing some matches we're missing out on because like Pax injured and Hater's obviously out for a while now. So. Oh yeah, and also in this report. Hater's out for at least the rest of the year. Yeah. Which now we know that there's going to be a four-way for the women's title at All-In. Hikaru Shida defending that belt against Tony Storm and Soraya and... Who was the other one? Baker and Allie. Baker or Bunny. Yeah, it's going to be Baker. It's going to be Baker. It's not going to be the Bunny. Let's put it that way. I had so, forgotten who yeah. was up against uh, Baker, but um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be Baker, Soraya, Storm, and Sheeta, which kind of 
echoes what we were saying before, which is like, well, if you don't really have a strong one-on-one, throw four people in there and just say that it's, you know, quantity over quality in some ways. And also you've got Storm and Gray in there. But I do want to point out again, they just kind of lightly drop the outcast idea, or what's the deal? Because still going. Well, no, because like, Tony Storm's you know, meltdown is kind of could kind of be its own thing. Oh yeah, she, she's definitely developing her own new character of being this um, like this uh, uh, uptight actress character that she's got at the moment, where she's coming out in like curlers and a robe, like she was there. Like uh, they they there was some uh, clips online of uh, her coming out like alongside Soraya for her match with Sky Blue on Rampage, and um, yeah, wearing that stuff. So, so, yeah, there's clearly a new gimmick being developed there. But I, I think that's cool. Cause, like, she's her kind of pro mobility and character work has gone on leaps and bounds in the past year. So, I'm excited to see what direction she's taking with this. And I assume that it will in part lead to an implosion of the outcasts. Mm-hmm. Which, at all, in, you know, you've got Soraya in the match. She should be trying to win the championship on her own. Then you got Tony Storm, should be winning the championship on her own. The two of them fight at some point. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Which I'm totally fine with them doing that because it doesn't seem like we're going to get some big blow off outcast thing anyway. And that shit's been going on forever. And you know how I feel about how that hasn't been all that much entertaining. So I'm down for them just being like, all right, all in is when that shit hits the fan. Ruby can step in and maybe we get a triple threat between them at all out or something. Um, and I'm a fan of the idea of this for right? Cause it's, three of the best women's champions they had, and it's Soraya who should be wrestling in Wembley Stadium. Or at least There's a chance she wins the title. We'll talk about that when it comes to the predictions. Wouldn't shock me. Uh, we have the an FTW rules match for the FTW Championship with Jack Perry and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, the um, hardcore title match. <laughs> like how, like, I know he's like 20-plus years past his prime. But RVD can still do a lot of things. Yeah. Like, I, I, thought, I thought it was amazing how he managed to still do a, a large portion of what he used to be able to do. Yeah, it's a little bit slower than it was before, but it's still crazy impressive. It's a tale of two cities. When you look at him and you look at Jeff. Mm. I'd be okay with this being RVD's last match on TV. This was beautiful in terms of he played the hits, he played them well, he nearly crushed uh jack perry with that apron leg drop i thought this was a lot of fun he could have done wembley with how well he performed but i think that this was perfect and if he wants to stick around for a little bit sure but also like put all your head maybe not saying that i don't want to see more of him but just it was so good i'd be all right with ending it on that one According to like your guys at Fightful, he impressed a lot of people with his performance backstage. I would, I would imagine so. It was an amazing, amazing so, performance. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some follow-up work out of the back of, off the back of this. Yeah. Which um, I'm, you know, depending on what he wants to do too, he might just be like, yeah, I'll pop in for a match here and there. But Yeah, I'd prefer that. I don't want him to be like a full-time guy. Yeah. I think it's past that point. But like, things come in. the Van Damme like... family office? <laughs> Christ, that's the last thing we need is uh, Matt Hardy to start another family and to throw Rob Van Dam in there and all. So, so then MJF and Alan Cole come out, 
and they talk about obviously they're having the match at uh, Wembley for the title and uh, Cole says that he's going to win so MJF decides to start a promo battle by saying he's uh, he's so skinny and white that Hulk Hogan was not snorted him in the 80s <laughs> yeah I thought that was great and yeah. uh, he even referenced the the name that he has on that um, notepad that he put out first when he first won the title of people that won't beat him for the title and he even wrote on the thing and he said it verbatim in the promo of like Adam my brain don't hurt my brain hurt too much so I can't cope Cole like <laughs> that was good uh, and then Adam Cole says that he like he's not here to go into a pro battle about their match, but he's gonna he wants to talk about them teaming up on zero hour of the uh, of the Wembley in. show, yeah, and yeah, at all in and winning the Ring of Honor tag team titles from Aussie Open, and so that so yeah, they're going to have they're going to do double duty on this show. Which, uh, uh, what popped in my mind out of all the things when that happened, instead of going to, oh, I wonder if they're going to win the titles or like, oh, wow, that's kind of, you know, didn't see that coming or whatever. The first thing that I thought of was Mel House's dad saying, I don't like the thought of Adam Cole and MJF wrestling two matches on one show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it- Honestly, I like the idea first. I like the idea because I think there's a lot you could do with that match too. That would then that then would you know color over into the um the match at when the, their main event match. Mm-hmm. They could so have I like an injury that, from somebody. Yeah, but, MJF yeah, could turn on them. You know. Yeah, yeah, but it's just a case of like what I would like to see happen. And again, I I, I don't know. We want to go into. I, I I won't go into it just yet. I have my I have my perfect scenario in my head of what I would like them to use this match for. But um, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's um, it's an well, interesting approach. What would your perfect scenario be? Because for all we know, okay. on collision, something happens that would change that perspective. What is it right okay. now? All right. So my perfect scenario is that they have this match with Aussie Open and some sort of miscommunication results in them losing the match. And like they lose and like Cole and MJF, like, they seem like they're trying to get back on the same page, but they're obviously like a little bit at odds. And Cole manages to like talk him round. Cole then then you have like the Kingdom and Roddy Strong appear around the outside because we'll talk a little bit about what happened with Roddy Strong in this uh in this segment as well. And they all appear around the ring. Cole beats the shit out of MJF. I would like them to bloody him, batter him all over the place, like absolutely destroy MJF to the point where like the main event you're like in two minds about whether he's even going to be able to compete and Cole comes out first and he cuts a promo about how, you know, MJF's got like in the biggest show, MJF has let you down and I've got to win the title by forfeit. You have MJF come out bloody battered. Like this is, this is the moment you do the ultimate MJF baby face turn of him coming out, like bloodstream down in like, with like a, probably like a bandage over his head, but clearly feeling worse for wear and he gives one of the absolute gutsiest performances that you've ever seen in losing to Adam Cole to become the new champion. But I think that that is, that's the way that you overcome the fact that because they're wrestling on the earlier in the show, there's always that old adage of like, if you, you only get that one big pop first, like when you come out once on the show and if you, wrestling a second time the pop diminishes for your second appearance because people have already seen you once the way you do that 
where you avoid that is you make it feel like, or at least tell the story that MGF's not going to be able to compete in the main event. And then when he does come out, the crowd is super, super invested in can he overcome the odds and, like, you know, take on all the people that are potentially going to interfere in this match and beat Adam Cole and retain his championship as, like, the ultimate baby face and then have Adam Cole eventually overcome him and then you've got this big, big moment to end this show. That's how I would... That's what I would lean towards at the moment. There's still, like, say, a week and a bit... There's still two more Dynamites to go and other shows in the meantime. So there's a lot of things that could change in that perspective, but that's how I would approach it right now. That's very I, similar uh, to how I was thinking that I would hope that it yeah, would go. I just want to make it a three for them. <laughs> I also definitely think Adam Cole's turning on MJF and winning by forming like this new kingdom with Roddy. And I, I think that's a perfect way to go. And it also I mean, quells some of the 2024 talk as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, you got to take the title off of MJF at some point. Doesn't have to be, you know, the very end of 2023, right before you get to the 2024 discussion. Doesn't have to be continuing into 2024. So that way people have the buzz around it. You could do it here. It's perfectly fine. He's held it for a little bit of a long enough time that it's not going to hurt MJF to lose the belt now or anything. Yeah. I mean, you could even lean it into a story of like uh, Cole was trying to play keep away with MJF for the title. And so MJF. Like his contract is about to expire, and so he decides that he's so desperate to beat Adam Cole and reclaim the title that he re-signs with AEW. And then that's I the mean, end of the There's a lot of fun ways you can, you can go with this, and I think it's a better way to go. I know that there is also the punk thing, mm. but at this point, they're going with it already anyway, then just make it a collision world title or whatever. Like, I'm not as... I was a little more intrigued before when he was like, what's in the bag, Max? If you're already defending the thing, I'm not as intrigued. You know what I mean? Just keep it separate. And I think this thing with Adam Cole is too good not to strike. Yeah. And I want to talk about the uh, Roderick Strong involvement as well, because he comes out afterwards to say, why weren't you trying to win the uh, Ring of Honor tag team titles with me instead? A guy who was in Ring of Honor and has been your best friend for years and years. And Max does his his best impression of The Rock destroying Billy Gunn's credibility <laughs> in <laughs> saying that uh, he's tired of um, Roddy's, uh, uh, like, a bitter ex-girlfriend uh, approach. So what he wants to do is uh, wants to do what all generic white people do. Go home, cry, uh, cry into your Hello Kitty pillow, listen to some Taylor Swift and shake it off, you bland bitch. Yeah. <laughs> And that was just, yeah, the crowd just what started trying to shake it off. At this point, is so over the top that either those NXT acting classes really penetrated him or, like, it has to be leading towards a swerve because there's no way you're just nuking Roddy Strong as a character by having him be this completely bitter ex-girlfriend. No, I, I, I think he's, like, he's very much in on the the eventual turn on MJF. So, so I think he's just, he's just leaning into that side of things to make him appear like less of a threat to. And MJF. listen, I'll take, I don't know where he's at, but, uh, there's enough belts to go around where if you want to add Kyle to this thing too. Oh do. yeah. That's the only thing that can make this better is Kyle Riley comes back in the process. And it's a more interesting scenario to have Cole turn on MJF than for it to just be like, okay, well they fail to win the belts. 
earlier in the night. MJF turns on Adam Cole. They have their match. MJF retains, and then uh, then Adam Cole gets a rematch at All Out, or you know what I mean. Like then it's just sort of you hit the reset button and you're back to the status quo. Cole leading a group where Roddy is the mid Carter and Taven and uh, Bennett are the tag team. That's your generic Roddy, stable you right an there. National belt too, man. Yep, Roderick Strong could be a great international champion. If you're not, you know, TNT champion or whatever you would want to go, because you got two options for that. And shit, you got the RH options as well. I mean, you get plenty of belts. And then I think there's a great thing, too, because while there isn't so much focus on punk and CMFTR elite, the last thing Adam Cole did on television was beat up Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. At some point, you can look back at that and go, there's a match we can tell there's a story we can tell as well so there's a lot more fun to be had with Cole being the one to turn if it is just max turns i guess that's fine but i'm more so looking forward to it was adam cole's master plan all along and then we had a so uh, blackpool combat club beat the lucha bros and there was a an unmasking so i don't know where that's leading because it can't exactly be a mask versus hair match between uh penta and claudio no body hair Chest. <laughs> um, there was an announcement that Kenny's going to have a sit-down interview with Jim Ross next week. So we'll see what that holds and what that leads into the whole uh, Wembley show as well. Uh, they had a segment with Swerve Strickland, Moog Embassy, AR Fox there as well. And Sting and Darby Allen came in to chase them off. And so there's going to be a, coffin ma- a tag team coffin match between those two at Wembley. Uh. That rules. Nah, I'm going to get, get, see Sting perform live. Yeah, what do you mean? Like he, I, I'm just looking at it from a live crowd perspective. They're getting Sting in a casket match. That rules. Like, that's the kind of fantasy booking shit you might as well do while you have Sting. On that front, I'm totally happy for Callum on that. But as far as, like, am I supposed to be really invested in this Darby Allen and AR Fox thing? I don't give a shit about that feud. <laughs> this has been the second best story they've done uh, in, uh, is going in AEW right now. The whole like the destruction job they did of um, Nick Wayne last week is one, of the, is, yeah, is one of the best segments they've done. All, one of the best segments they did all year. I'm not so, digging it. Yeah, you don't. Like you're getting so Joker fine. Sting too, which I thought was a neat little. No, I just I don't I don't care about the they are Fox and Darby Allen side, and I don't care enough about Nick Wayne to have that be like ah they did that for that. I'm also not the hugest Swerve Strickland fan. I think that he's overrated. In a lot of ways. So you group those all together. Then you throw in. I don't think Mogul Embassy has the right synergy for my personal tastes. And I think that Darby Allen's overrated in a lot of ways, too. There's a lot of it that goes into that as far as being like, yeah, this this isn't working for me as much. But I'm glad it's a coffin match instead of just a regular tag team match. So that's a much better option. And then Hikaru to defeat Dana J in the main event to retain the title and book her place in the Wembley Fatal Four Way. So hold on, Callum, what did you think of that finish? Uh, they clearly there was clearly a lot of miscommunication. Yes, from, sir. From what, okay. I, from what I've heard, apparently it was the referee thought that they didn't have any time left and so decided to try and rush the finish when they actually had a few minutes left to spare. The referee was more correct than you would think. Oh, okay. Uh, there was like there was like a minute and a half, and he's handing her brass knuckles. I'm like. They have time for this. And the referee just, you know, I'll say this. I'm glad we're getting discussion about the women's division. 
just slotting them in the main event doesn't fix your problems. You know, that's my take on it, at least. And I think AEW has this thing where they do that sometimes, where in truth, it's like, dude, closing it on that MJF thing would have been hot. Closing it on, honestly, Sting would have been a hot close because it's, oh shit, Sting's going to wrestle in a coffin match. And even closing it on FTR and the Young Bucks. You could have said, Young Bucks, Hardy, main event. And then you go off the air with it being, yeah, you're getting one of the best tag team matches possible at Wembley Stadium. This is a small thing for me. I think, like, their idea of fixing the issues is, yeah, but we made the women the main event. That doesn't help. Yeah, that's what AEW has been up to in the build-up to the show and collision. We've got we've got a trios match for the trio championship. We've got um, House of Black versus CMFTR. So we'll House see how that... Retain. Oh, yeah, they will, but we'll see. The more interesting thing is how the Starks or Joe get involved in that. And then, I'm all right if they don't retain. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't be the worst-case scenario. That's for sure. So anything that happens else in the meantime, over the course of the next few days, we will lump into the next round of hot tags, talk about those uh, G1 updates. We'll talk about any potential title changes like the Santos Escobar thing or, you know, CMFTR that we were just talking about everything else that might be tied into all in and all that we are going to address with the all in predictions that's coming up pretty soon. But in the meantime, we're also going to have a different thing next week that ties into that, which is going to be our fan ounce table, a little missed the smart action of watching SummerSlam 1992 in full we're going to watch that, give her a little commentary track podcast that we normally do. And right now, the current game plan is not for that to be a live thing, but I'll put it out there for this. If you're interested in us doing that live so you can join in and chat and kind of keep things going along those lines, let me know as soon as possible when you're listening to this. Leave a thought, uh, leave that comment below, tweet at us you know, post something on Facebook and any fashion that you can get the word out about there. Let us know that you want us to do that. And then shit, we might just make that a live thing, but the current game plan is to do that at some point over the course of the next couple of days, probably either Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, we also have a dark cast that we're going to be doing soon, which is going to be partially the heat of the moment tournament, which I got a feeling we're probably going to skip through pretty quickly, but Calum's also been working a little bit on a kind of play the game esque quiz thing i don't know exactly what he has in mind i specifically don't want to know too much information just in case that ends up being like you know uh i don't want to do any research at a time for like trivia or, or something so i'm curious to see what callum's been cooking up and we will do that stuff next week roll into the pay-per-view stuff with all in after that and then we got payback and all out and superstar spectacle and all so not a ton of time for us to squeak and um, squeeze in, not squeak in, squeeze in some extra things. But as always, if you do want us to do anything else that's outside of pay-per-view content when we're on those weeks, there's the Pick Your Poison tier over there on the Patreon and the YouTube channel membership where you can directly sponsor something and be like, you know what? I want you guys to do a 
mock draft using these people or i want you guys to do a superstar scores about this person or whatever it might be i mean that's kind of the whole point you get to dictate that kind of stuff so keep all that in mind make sure you are subscribed to us at smart count moment on facebook and twitter make sure you are checking out fanboysanonymous.com for everything that's happening over in the blue brand check out the patreon the facebook the twitter the youtube everything over on the website most recently john cena movie came out with jackie chan called hidden strike on netflix <laughs> that rob and i watched and it's shit <laughs> but that makes it all that much more fun that if you want to watch that movie and you want to put our commentary track on to supplant that and make that extra fun on top of it check that out over on fanboysanonymous.com obviously keep checking out the blueprint project for anything that might be happening on that front and that includes Absolute Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin Epic. That includes the Batman and Nighttime Story, 100 Records from the Wayne Foundation Archives. Everything you can find under a mango tree, you can find at amangotree.com or anthonymango.com. So like and follow and share and favorite and subscribe to all those accounts, including my stuff at Tony Mango. Yeah, I just want to put out there for this one in particular, if you're going to watch this movie, just to watch. If you actually want to watch the movie, maybe put our commentary on through the second one. Because that thing is just us ripping on the movie the entire way through. <laughs> um, it was a good time, though. I, I had a lot of laughs, and I always enjoyed getting the chance to do that stuff, so check it out. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me everywhere at Dude Felice. My birthday is Wednesday. Maybe DudeFelice.com drops Wednesday. Who knows? We'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, we just follow me at Dude Felice. Check out Fightful. Check out WrestleZone. And check out Callum. Yeah, but you can follow me on Twitter at Wegmeister14. You can check out uh, the Power Rankings every single Saturday over on SmartCatMoment.com where I rank the WWE superstars for their performances over the past week. And there you can also check out the Fantasy League going through the SmartCatMoment website or going straight to www.fantasyleague.com where you can see how our teams are shaping up as we head towards payback, the next uh, stop gap where we'll be adding to our teams and uh, switching things around a little bit. But for now, just head on over, check that stuff out and see who's uh, who's leading the way. Come on, Santos, win that belt. Give me some fucking points there, pal. Listen, Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, stay <laughs> on TV, girl. Hey. <laughs> Because I got screwed almost. But I like where you're going. <laughs> Alrighty, everybody. That's it for this round of the hot tags. I want to thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time. But for now, this has been another smart out moment, and we are being counted out.